Coming up on Chasing the Natty, spring games are fully underway, and I have Chris K from the Burning the Red Shirt podcast on to discuss this first week of spring games. We also have to discuss Corey Rucker transferring to South Carolina and the very unfortunate news surrounding Alton McCaskill. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Daddy podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful Monday morning as you are driving to work. And if you're listening to this even later than that, why are you not having this be your Monday morning listen? Uh, but again, guys, welcome in everybody. Hope you guys are having a great time. We got a lot of stuff to talk about this week because it's like every time I feel like there's going to be like a semi-slow week of news at this point, it's like it all jumps at me on like Saturday and Sunday right before the show comes on. And then I'm like, well, I have a full show here. We got some stuff to talk about today. We will be talking about the spring games that have already happened, and we're going to bring you guys what you what we think are the main takeaways from each one of those. We're also going to be talking about Corey Rucker transferring to South Carolina, as well as Alton McCaskill tearing his ACL. And in order to do that, I brought on a new guest for you guys today. I realized I hadn't been able to get him on yet, and I figured it was time to remedy that. I have Chris K from the Burning the Red Shirt podcast crew. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? And let everybody know what you're working on. Uh, I'm good, man. It, it's been a beautiful weather here in Atlanta this week, so can't complain getting outside uh, way better than the uh, winter. That's the good thing with this time of year is we get the football news and much better weather here in Atlanta. Yes, sir. Just doing the, burn, doing the Burning the Red Shirt podcast, which we usually do Monday or Tuesday nights, just kind of wing it, throw it on there on Spotify and, and even do like a live version of it too. Um, but yeah, what's going on with you, man? How's everything going? Everything's going good. Um, it's funny you mentioned the weather because I actually just got a text from my mother. She just moved us to Pittsburgh, and uh, they're having snow right now. It's crazy. So um, it's crazy. I, I, I'm enjoying again here in Athens. I'm just looking outside right now. It is just a gorgeous day right now. Like I, I think I after we're done recording this, I'm just gonna go take a walk around my neighborhood because you don't get too many days like this right now. So yeah, absolutely wonderful. I, and and I, I forgot always that you're in Atlanta. Um, what what part of Atlanta, if you don't mind my asking? Smyrna. Smyrna. So I'm like, okay. I'm like 10, 12 minutes west of the baseball stadium. Okay. So um, yeah. I'm I'm Marietta folk, so um, not not too far from you. Yeah, grew up in East Cobb, so I've Dang. been around the, the woods a little bit here. So very very nice. Alrighty, people are tired of hearing of our personal lives. Let's go ahead and get let's, let's get into some of this stuff here today. Uh, before we get too far into it, though, I do have to remind everybody that we are part of the Campus of Canton family. Uh, you have myself, Nate Marquise, Brandon Sanders, and Chris Moxley. We make up the CFF team over at Campus of Canton, but we have a ton of great shows for you guys every single week, as well as articles ranking CFF ADP. We got a ton of articles in work right now. I was just discussing with everybody in the Slack. Almost everybody is coming out with like different ideas for different articles. Tons of fun stuff coming your way on that. In terms of the shows from Campus of Canton, on Mondays, you have us, Chase and Daddy, with myself and the entire CFF podcast team. Um... Over at Campus of Canton on Tuesdays, you have Campus Life with Austin Nace and Colin Decker, the college side of the flagship Campus of Canton podcast. On Wednesdays, you have Debbie Debate live streamed on YouTube with Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley. Typically, they tend to bring on several guests with that as well. All your Debbie needs are right there. You can also join the after show with Mike Valerie. He has done an incredible job of just bringing on some really fun guests and just doing some interview style stuff with them over there. Absolutely check it out. Thursdays, you have the um, NFL side of the Campus Canton podcast, the Canton Bound podcast with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. You also have a YouTube exclusive show, The Official, with Alfred Fernandez, Matt Powell, and David Nipple on YouTube. That is a show based entirely around recruiting analytics. They actually just had a 247 staffer on this past week. They interviewed him. Lots of great inside stuff there uh, for how these recruiting processes work. Absolutely check that stuff out. And then on Fridays, you have Brandon Sanders and the Future Freshman Podcast. That is a show 
dedicated to finding potential freshmen that could very well have production in their very first year in college. Very good for those of you who play a ton of CFF Dynasty. Absolutely check that out. And then we have a couple of daily podcasts that are going right now. The Daily Draft Report with Dwight Peebles is still going on. He's been doing a fantastic job covering both offensive and defensive players in this year's draft. And then Matthew Bruning has been doing an absolutely incredible job covering the spring camp reports. I highly recommend you go check out his stuff. 10, 15 minute episodes every single night, breaking down just news from across the country. Absolutely check it out. And if you're wondering, that's why we're not gonna be covering a lot of camp news here because Matthew's been doing such a great job with that. We're gonna focus mostly on the spring games here. But before we get to that, let's go ahead and talk about the really the big transfer portal news that is this week. That is Mr. Corey Rucker, officially transferring from Arkansas State to South Carolina. Chris, what do you think about Rucker going to South Carolina? Uh, I think we both agree on this one. I think it's pretty, I don't know, disappointing because you want to see somebody like Rucker go somewhere that can put up big numbers. Um, And I think there's a lot of places that have like openings that would be exciting for a a receiver one to go to. Um, But in terms of South Carolina, they've had like a crazy impressive transfer portal with Rattler and um, Stogner and now this you get that's gonna be a really good offense um, curious what they end up doing at running back besides probably running back by committee but overall that offense is gonna be really good a lot of different weapons there for him what about you I think Nate said it best when he said this is incredible for South Carolina from just a CFB perspective like this is just another weapon for them to have in that offense another thing for defenses to worry about in terms of us and what Corey Rucker could have been this year I agree with you. I think most of us are pretty disappointed. There's a few people out there that are like, oh no, Rucker's now the wide receiver one there. I'm not in that camp yet. I do like Antoine Wells. I'm actually bigger on Josh Van than a lot of people are. Um, I think he'll be pretty good this upcoming year, but I definitely would have rather have seen Rucker. Uh, I want him to go to Utah State. Utah. I want him to go to Utah State so badly. I wanted him to go there, become that clear definitive one at Utah State. Because whoever gets that wide receiver one job at Utah State is going to be an absolute steal this year, and I'll be real, if Rucker had gone to Utah State, he probably would have jumped into my top five wide receivers for this year because I just know of how beneficial that position is in that Blake Anderson offense. But he also could have gone to Texas State, uh, reunited with um, Lane Hatcher over there, become the clear wide receiver one over at Texas State. That's a bad, bad team, so they would have been throwing the ball a ton. Would have loved them over there. Again, here in South Carolina, he's just... Another great wide receiver that they brought in this year that I, again, I don't think he's going to get lost in the shelf. I'm sure he's going to have plenty of production there, but I don't think it's going to be somebody now that everybody is looking for in CFF. Yeah, I think the problem is, even if he is the receiver one for them, um, they just, they don't go on, they don't, they're not going to score too many points. They're not going to like have such a high pace that it can supplement all the different options they have right you name two receivers that are good i mean jaheem bell had a crazy good uh mm-hmm. bowl game you're looking at legitimately five guys that could be very relevant but just more of that like solid floor and zero upside because i just don't see them going 35 plus points a game and throwing it 50 times a game right and that's kind of what you need yep. to make those guys very relevant for us this situation reminds me so much of USC last year. You remember what USC, it felt like it was like every time an interesting piece entered the transfer portal, an interesting wide receiver entered the transfer portal. I remember this to Taj Washington where it's like every time a, a wide receiver of interest entered the portal, it's like USC was always there to just, you know, mine now, mine now. And eventually it just got to the point where we're all looking at that wide receiver room and we're just like, they're not going to be able to feed all of these guys. So like we're seeing all these great receivers go there and like we know that they're all a bunch of them are going to lose value. Only two to three of them are going to have any actual value as the starters in this offense. I think we're kind of starting to see the same thing for South Carolina because Corey Rucker before he transferred uh, was the wide receiver twenty five in ADP this year. Uh, there's no way, no way he is no going way. to be being taken there as um, as a gamecock. So. Again, I think it's very unfortunate. Again, good for Rucker because, um, again, you get to the SEC, getting more eyeballs on you. If he is able to perform well for the Gamecocks, uh, that probably increases his draft um, stock more than it would have been at, say, Arkansas State, where un- under um, 
James Blackman is your QB and Butch Jones is your coach. I think this is good for him from that perspective. But again, for our perspective, this is just unfortunately where reality and what we want doesn't quite mix. Yeah, it's kind of interesting you brought up USC. It's kind of like uh, SMU, what they're doing with the receivers, and then like UCF, right? Like all of a sudden they get JRP, which is interesting because he's going to play quarterback, right? And he's like the last – I mean, he's not the worst thrower ever, but why would you transfer to a place like UCF with that, your quarterback, and, you know, Kobe Hudson, and I think one or two other different guys also went there, and it's like – what 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 are we doing here? Exactly. Are we not thinking, or what do we got going on here? But it's well, Kobe Hudson. Uh, interesting comparison. It's probably just following uh, Malzahn more than anything else. Gotta think, yeah. Gotta think so, yeah. Like I've I've seen several players do that. Because like, uh, what was it, Mark Anthony Richardson last year, or Mark Anthony Rich, Richards? Excuse me, not Richardson. Yeah. Uh, he followed Malzahn to US or UCF last year. There's there's been a couple <laughs> of guys like that. So again. I, again, I think we're both in agreement here that this sucks for CFF purposes with Corey Rucker, but we understand from just a like draft capital, just football level of why Rucker would want to do this. Um, so we go from Rucker, who is like disappointing news, to just some sad news overall with uh, Mr. Alton McCaskill uh, running back at Houston. He was being taken as the RB, it looks like 13 in drafts already so clearly a lot of people were very high on him this year he had a dual threat ability and that he could catch the ball out of the backfield a lot of people were looking forward to that as well and it looks like it is official now he has torn his acl in a non-contact injury uh during practice and will be out probably for the majority of the season i believe uh dana holderson said the the hope was that he would be back around the AAC championship, which for those of us playing CFF, that basically means he's out for the entire year. I feel bad for those who have drafted him in the best ball league so far, because that's a second, maybe a third round, if you were lucky, pick burned right there. Um, it it kind of, it just sucks all around. Like you never want to see a guy like this get hurt like that and just be out for the year before anything really gets started. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, it's super, uh, it's a big bummer, right? Like freshman talent that had a lot of, uh, success last year. He scored a ton of touchdowns. Um, you know, Dell at Houston is a good pairing in terms of offensive weapons. And then all of a sudden now it's obviously a huge bummer for him. But then if you look at it from a fantasy perspective, which I think we'll get into deeper here is there's just not really somebody that replaces it, right? Like it's, mm-hmm it's kind of now we're going to this no man's land of probably a running back by committee, which is, you know, doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, right? Because health is the first thing and really the only thing in this situation, but it's, it's a bummer. We don't even have like that as a, as a potential positive, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what Houston does. Um, That's still a great offense. Uh, You got Dana is a, is a really great offensive mind. So we'll see what they end up doing at running back, but it definitely a bummer. A couple, like when we transfer this to just the fantasy aspect of this, there's a couple of things that kind of come to mind here. One, it could mean that Clayton Toon probably gets a few more carries around the goal line rather than relying on a guy like Henry or um, I forget the other back that they have there. But again, like you mentioned, both of the backs there aren't nearly as big as McCaskill was. They don't have the build to have a work, work, excuse me, work horse. Why is that so hard for me to say workhorse <laughs> load? Um, and I, they're not guys that you want to throw into an, a stacked eight box on the goal line. So to me, there's one of two options. One is RB by committee, and then uh, let Toon kind of take some of those uh, shots near the goal line. The other thing is, and I think this is all the one we're all kind of thinking here, is they probably dip into the portal here. Um, and one name that kind of stood out to me, and I was hearing that he might have had interest in Houston before uh mccaskill's injury i have to imagine he's probably there even a little bit more now with mccaskill going down is brandon campbell the freshman out of usc who entered the portal not too long ago um i was hearing that he might have been interested in houston even before this injury and like i said i think he might be a little bit more interested now that there is a little bit of extra room to go around there i'll look him up real quick just to make sure that he has the build that i'm thinking of Chris, what do you think about that? Or do you think there's another uh, running back that you think they might target? 
Um, I, I mean, it makes sense. I, the only thing that I'm thinking here is though, is that McCaskill still has, you know, technically three years of eligibility. Do they kind of go away and get a, a young guy? Is there an older guy out there? That was like, you know, that would be like my first thought is like what old running backs are out there. They could just replace them for the year, be gone. The thing is though, they're definitely, even last year, McCaskill had uh, games where he split a, a, a good amount of carries. So they could bring on a guy like Campbell and then all of a sudden next year have two running backs that are really good. They play up tempo enough where you can make that happen. Um, is Wheaton the Alabama running back in he the is portal? Still in the portal. It, it is widely assumed that he is going to SMU. That'll be an interesting one. That, like that he, he or at least, Again, that's the widely expected rumor. Does he actually gotcha. do it? Why hasn't he done it already? If it, it seems that obvious, <laughs> who knows? Who he knows? should he he should follow Jerome Ford's and uh, past history and go to Cincinnati. I think we've been all begging for a, a workhorse type at Cincinnati to replace Ford. There there there's a couple of like running back spots out there that I think people like. We're gonna see another round of transfer portal guys come here after spring once people have a better idea of what the depth charts are kind of looking like at their different um, schools and stuff like that. We're gonna see another round of transfer portal guys, and I really think that places like Cincinnati. Houston, these are prime spots for a transfer running back to go to. Um, again, I, I, not to get off too much here, but with Cincinnati, I've been really shocked that like nobody's taking a shot at like trying to transfer to Cincinnati. Like, are they really happy with guys like Max McClellan and uh, Ryan Montgomery? Maybe. I'd be surprised with what they've done in the last what three, four years of running backs in those seasons. It just feels like uh, those would be underwhelming starters for sure. Very fair. Again, we will see what that looks like again once these spring games kind of wrap up. These teams have a better idea of what their depth charts are looking like. But speaking of springs wrapping up, let's start talking about the finales of a lot of these spring camps. And that is the spring games that have been happening all over the country. And we're going to start off with none other than the Michigan Wolverines who just had their spring game yesterday chris i'm gonna let you start off with this what do you think were kind of the main takeaways from the michigan spring game yesterday um i think for me the main takeaway is that quorum and donovan edwards are going to be absolutely dynamic and great in that offense it's really interesting how they compare to last year's tandem of haskins and quorum i mean haskins was like your big bruiser fourth and one type goal line type and now they lose that because Edwards is not really that guy. He's the, I mean, he's had what he had a seven catch game last year. He had an yeah. awesome catch in the on the in the spring game yesterday. Um, so the, and the offensive line looks really good. That was like a big takeaway. People were saying, um, but it's like you know, I grew up a Michigan fan, and you know, there were years of so many great receivers. That's just not the case anymore. And so we're seeing some like big names, like the freshman that enrolled early, Darius Clemens, had like a really nice showing. And I think you're going to start seeing people like spend up for him. But I mean, think about all the previous stud five-star, four-star types that just never did anything like a Nico Collins, a DPJ. Um, Those guys, you know, I just feel like they're going to be similar to that Cornelius uh, Johnson, who's there right now. So I think my big takeaway is the running backs for sure. in that offensive line. Yeah. I was going to bring up Darius Clements here and I was going to do exactly what you did. And I was going to say, y'all, I know it looks like you had a great day yesterday, but like to me, if you are going to go after a Michigan receiver, go after them in best ball and take them late. Cause we saw last year, like in Michigan's offense, like there was times where they would, um, like they would, they would run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, really big deep shot and it would work several times. And so with one, just with one play, a lot of times you would have a receiver just have that ceiling that you needed from them in just one that one week. But this is not something you can count on week to week with Michigan. And so I'm telling people, listen, Darius Clemens, hold off on him there. Um, yesterday, I was also reminded that Alan Bowman is still on Michigan's team. Um, Amazing. Legitimately, like when I heard that name, I'm like, oh yeah, he did go to Michigan last year. Um, and looks like he is the solid uh, QB three for them. Uh, even though he had he had an all right day yesterday, like you know nine pa- or uh, nine completions, a hundred yards, two touchdowns. Like seems like he had a pretty all right day. But then again, I I think like thirty five of those hundred yards came on a strike to Darius Clemens. So it's like 
maybe. Um, but yeah, to me, again, Donovan Edwards continues to be the guy that everybody's really watching out for. And you kind of mentioned earlier that like they don't have that bruiser back. To me, I think Edwards, because he hasn't been in that program and he's now started really getting to the strengths and conditioning. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when uh, Nate and I were talking about the Michigan running back room. If Edwards kind of comes out of the spring north of 200 pounds, he will be the, the Michigan running back that I'll be drafting everywhere. Because if he can start to get that Haskins role a little bit where he is um, kind of their bruiser, their kind of run between the tackles guy, and can have that receiving ability there on the outside with, those, with his, uh, um, with his um, good Lord, train of thought, uh, with his hands, he's going to be the guy that I'm going to want to target in all, in all my leagues. And I think Coram just goes back to the role that he had last year where he's still very good, don't get me wrong, but I think Donovan Edwards then has the higher upside. Yeah, I mean, the receiving ability puts him ahead of Corum if he can get to that point where he's getting those goal line carries. I mean, both, I mean, Michigan wants to run it and they're going to pound the run, even against like, you know, Washington. All they did was run it. Now they're not like an elite team, but they have a very good defense and they still were saying, we're going to run, run, run. So I think both of them are really good. I think both of them are great options in every format. Uh, It's interesting to see who goes first of the two, but you usually see them go kind of back to back in a sense, like same round or right. Um, like right on a turn or something like that. I think Coram's issue is like, maybe you're concerned about his, he's a little bit smaller. He's not like tiny, but he's a little yeah. smaller and he got hurt last year. So, you know, if he wasn't hurt, that's a great, I mean, he had an incredible season already, but so, you know, if Edwards can gain that weight, he comes a little bit more sturdy, maybe than Coram. That's, that's an easy guy to lean on compared to Corum. So you mentioned Corum and Edwards going back to back. I have to imagine that's more in the best ball leagues that you and uh, Mike and them have been doing over there. Uh, in my in mine, where it's more redraft and everything, it looks like there's actually a pretty big gap between Corum and Edwards. Corum's going as the RB twenty one and being taken right around the tail end of the fourth round, beginning of the fifth round, and Donovan Edwards is being taken like near the end of the eighth round as RB34. So again, if if you're playing a redraft and like that's the kind of ADP that you're seeing right there, I'm going to go with Edwards nine out of 10 times out of those two. 100%. Uh, Yeah, and I think Corum, that feels a little bit high for, like that feels a little bit higher than I'd want, mm -hmm. you know? Um, That's like a Shane territory, right? Like that kind of fourth round running back. Uh, Edwards in the eighth is like a no-brainer. 100% no-brainer. Yeah, I, I would definitely take them. Speaking of which, I might check my power. I'm doing a power five only mock right now. I might see if Edwards <laughs> is still available. We we will definitely see. All right, let's move on to the next. Uh, I, I, actually, Chris, any more thoughts on Michigan spring game before we move on? No, nah, I think it's all running back for them, and that's about it. Oh, actually, I'll throw one more name out here. Uh, uh, Tavier Dunlap was a uh, redshirt freshman running back. I would keep him like if you're in a dynasty cff dynasty i keep him as a stash because he had a pretty good day yesterday and again when you have quorum and edwards probably going out in the next one to two years he could be a veteran option for michigan in the next couple of years so maybe keep an eye out for him let's move on to the next one this is the one that i was at um i went to this one in person uh the the georgia tech spring game uh first of all this is how every spring game should be in that they actually let fans onto the field and there was like a whole barbecue in the like south end zone it was pretty awesome um but i was able to get some great shots of this if you haven't checked out my video where i go really in depth on my thoughts overall on this game go check that out it's on the campus can uh youtube page um but my main takeaway for this was that first of all the two top running backs are hassan hall and dante smith um so if georgia tech is going to be the kind of team that wants to continue to try to be kind of running back centric like they were with Jameer Gibbs. Probably those are the guys you'll target really late, late in drafts. Um, and then between the two quarterbacks, like I think Jeff Sims has this job for now. Um, I kind of mentioned this earlier, Chris, you and I were t- discussing this on Twitter when somebody asked about Jeff Sims. Like I think Sims has the job week one. I would not be shocked if he lost it by the end of the year because when I watched these two in this spring game, when they were like had the full scrimmage going and everything, Zach Gibson just seemed like the more sure quarterback to me. Now, granted, again, he's going up against the twos of the defense rather than the ones. 
But honestly, at a place like Georgia Tech, like how much difference is there between the twos and the ones? Um, they've never really had that great of a defense, so it's like. Um, but also, Sims does have the rushing ability that I don't think Zap Gibson really has. Now, Gibson didn't run one or t- once or twice, so if he can kind of develop that ability a little bit, um, he can kind of. I'm not gonna say he becomes even with Sims on that level, but it'll give him give Sims less of an edge there. Um, but yeah, I I'd say not a ton to take away from with the Georgia Tech game because again, like this is going to be a team that you're not expecting them to be winning a lot of games. So even if they have an RB one, it's not going to be somebody that's like the the game script is just not going to benefit them. They're going to be behind a lot, and you have Sims who isn't the best passer in the world. He's a better rusher than he is a passer. If they move over to Zach Gibson, who's a much who's a better passer in my opinion. I'd be a little bit more interested in a guy like Malachi Carter, who seemed to be the wide receiver one there on the day. Definitely the most impressive when I was watching him kind of running routes and stuff like that. I'd say he might be a guy that I might consider in like a late best ball kind of flyer kind of guy. But overall, again, I don't think there's too much to glean from this. Chris, what do you think? Uh, Well, (laughs) they did do a cool job with the uh, spring game. I will say, and you know, I, I will take a jab at Georgia Tech with you as a you're a UGA guy. Um, you couldn't do that anywhere else. <laughs> I mean, when you have a thousand people going to the game, like you can you can get away with the uh, barbecue and the end zone. Do you know thing. what the funny thing is? When I was on the field, I literally looked around at the stands and I thought to myself, I remember having this thought where I said, I think there's a bigger crowd here today than there is during game day. Very, very, very possible. Very. Uh, but yeah, we talking actual football here. Jeff Sims has the best upside of anybody on that team. He probably is one of those types too. Well, I shouldn't say probably. He is one of those types that like he's not going to wow you in a spring game because he's probably was wearing the jersey, right? Like he's not getting tackled. He can't make the types of plays right that make him like very dynamic and a, a fantasy asset. Uh, he's like a end of the end of the draft type, mid to late end of the draft type. Gibson. I mean, he does seem like he's the better true quarterback, um, but they don't have enough weapons. I don't think they're a good enough team. They're going to be playing from behind a lot, which is great, but I don't know. It feels like there's going to be games where they just score seven or ten points. You know, they go, yeah. to, they play Clemson, and it's just literally, uh, it's awful, right? God, uh, so, yeah, it gets it gets bad real quick. They're at least slow and uh, just boring. So I don't think you got to spend a lot of time on this one. I think Sims is interesting with some upside, but I mean, that's like a best ball, random, crazy upside game for him. Yeah, pretty much every name I've mentioned here is a guy that you grab at the end of like a really deep league. Like otherwise, if you're in a redraft league, just if one of them pops, they become a waiver wire priority and you move on with your life. Yep. Let's move on here. We got the Mizzou spring game going over to the SE. So, Chris, I'm going to let you start off on this one. What do you think were the main takeaways from the Mizzou spring game? Um, so this interesting could be actually pretty – this offense could actually be pretty interesting. Luther Burden, who you guys love at C2C, like rightfully so. He had some really great uh, highlights. They were really moving him around and using him. Like that was like the big takeaway for me was – they kept throwing to him in the flats. You know, they used him as a true receiver. He made a nice catch on the sidelines. Um, so I think that's exciting. The problem with that is I just think that their quarterback situation, that was the other big takeaway. It's not good. Like between Macon and I think it's Cook, like both of them threw interceptions. I think one of them threw a pick six to start, and then yeah. his last pass was an interception. As much as, you know, Luther Burden can be awesome, he feels like, I was trying to think of a maybe a potential comparison stat line. He kind of feels like a Stanley Berryhill type production. Um, and that might be in the high end because it catches, but Berryhill had like 80 catches for 800 yards and one touchdown. Yeah. Like, I just think that they're going to give him the ball a lot, but how much are they actually going to move the ball on the ground? Or uh, I should say offensively, generally speaking. So curious to hear what you thought with Burden and, and the running back group. Uh, so I'm with you. Uh, Luther Burden to me is the hashtag truth. Um, he is like he is the, like I don't put true freshman in my rankings. Luther Burden has forced me uh, to get him in there. 
just due to his talent alone. And again, as we saw in the spring game, they are going to be using him in very creative ways. They're trying to get him the ball in every which way that they can. And when it comes to the quarterback situation, I think they are looking for something better than Bacon or Cook. Because during this very game, JT Daniels was on the sideline in order to watch it. So it looks like they are trying to recruit some higher-end QB talent there. And again, I've mentioned this before, we're going to see a second wave of transfers after the spring. It would not be surprising to me if Mizzou goes out and tries to grab one of these newer quarterbacks that hop into the transfer portal after these springs and try to get a guy that is going to do a better job of getting the ball to a guy like Luther Burton. Also, Dominic Lovett. Dominic Lovett really impressed me in this game. Again, once again, quoting Nate Marquis here because he just does a great job, but um, he said that Dominic Lovett is who we all wanted Mookie Cooper to be last year. And so I think you're going to see Burden. I think you're going to see Lovett both be the wide receiver one and two here. They definitely sh- like were the ones that shine the most in this game. Um, and then for me, when you asked about the running back situation, we all want to know the running back situation because we all love Tyler Beatty last year. Uh, we love Larry Roundtree before him. This is a offense that loves to just find one guy and ride or die on him. To me, I'm hitching my wagon to Nathaniel Beat. Um, I think he has looked the best so far out of the bunch. I think he is probably the most veteran, most experienced one out of this group for Mizzou. Um, he's got the receiving ability that they will want out of their top back. I think he's going to be the guy that, like, they say it's still a competition to the fall. I think by the end of it, we're going to see Pete take over that main role. It's, I think we saw both guys look pretty decent to good at the very least. Uh, I pr- would hope, and I'm hoping Elijah Young, because I have him in a couple places in Dynasty Leagues, but, I mean, Young showed off to be, showed really well against Army in the bowl game. He's a young guy, but he also, if I remember correctly, is a smaller guy. Uh, I mean, it really, truly feels like a coin flip right now. And the thing is, it's not like they're going to say, well, these two are really good. Let's just use both of them. No, they're going to pick one guy. They're picking one and they're going to, you know, 20 carries and six targets every game, right? Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, both of them are going really interestingly uh, in all formats. And I think you'd be crazy not to get a sprinkle here and there at the least. It's not like they're getting picked in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. I think Pete and Young, I mean, Young, you can probably get at the very end. Pete's a little bit pricier because he was pretty, pretty dang good at uh, Stanford, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sure you have ADP data for that. What do we I got? I am pulling it up right as we speak. Uh, Nathaniel P in the redraft ADP that I've been doing recently. Oh my God, I'm such a nerd now. I, just, I did the whole thing, <laughs> like adjusting my glasses. Um, Nathaniel P is currently going as the RB45 and he is rising. I know that for a fact that he is rising in these redraft ADP. Uh, and he's being taken right at like in the middle of the 10th round, it looks like. And then Elijah Young is being taken as RB76. And he is being taken, it looks like, in the round 14-15 range. Yeah. I mean, both of those guys are worth a shot. Now, I wouldn't just go Pete every single time in the 10th round. I feel like there's a good enough shot that Young can win that job. But also, too, right, if you're playing in certain formats, you can get away with taking him. He doesn't start. Something happens to Young or vice versa. And you just fell into, you know, if a stud running back. Where would you put one of them if one of them was starting? If you said, if they said for sure, hey, Young or Pete, this guy is going to be our RB one. We're going to use them like Beatty. Where would you put them? Let me let me look at my rankings here real quick because I, I I mentioned this. So I they probably would be in my top fifteen. I'd say top fifteen yeah. overall. I don't think that they'll quite get the same run that Beatty got last year. Because Beatty just had an astronomical season last year. But the possibility of a season like that is still there. And I'll happily take that as my heck my first or my second running back off the um off the board for my team. Cause yeah, I take him over I take him over Charbonnet probably. Because I still expect UCLA to probably bring in another back so they're not riding on one guy. Um to me, it's like when I get up to Jordan Mims, that's kind of where I kind of hit the block of where I'm like, okay, I'd probably still take Mims over Young or Pete if they were the guy. Yeah. It's interesting. There's some Charbonnet lovers out there. Marquise might be one of them. Uh, so maybe you can ask him next time he's on. 
but I don't know. What would be interesting is if they do land a quarterback, I think JT Daniels could be – that's a perfect fit. They they spread it out. They have a lot of older receivers to go with the stud and burden. Yeah. Like, that's a great group. I like that group more than West Virginia, which is where I think people think he's going to end up going. Yeah. Um, but imagine how good Beatty would have been last year with a real quarterback. Like, they would have oh, been moving it like crazy. So if they land a quarterback that's legitimate – they name one of them for real as a, as the running back starter. That could be like I mean that could be a top five, top ten type guy, easy in my opinion. What's fun is like I, a lot of times like people talk about like stacks and CFF. One thing I always kind of look for in some guys is the ones where like the, this happened to me a couple years ago when it was like Tua Tagovailoa and I played against Xavier and he threw out in his lineup he threw out Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Devonte Smith. Um, as his three starting wide receivers so that every time Tua got a touchdown more than likely he was also going to get a touchdown I look for guys where I can't have that happen to me and so for right now in this Mizzou offense like a lot of these guys because of the quarterback situation nobody really wants the Mizzou quarterback I'll take these guys just so that doesn't happen to me um with that that's ruthless that it's just I mean you might if you're him you might as well just go get Tua right like Exactly. You're gonna start those three guys weekly. You you might as well get the quarterback. You're already. Oh, he didn't in. start them weekly. Again, he did it for just that one week when he played <laughs> me. It worked. Again, he he lost most weeks, but every time he played me, and I had a great record that year. But like, I think it was like we played four times. He won three out of one. At uh, three out, and he went three and one against me. It was ruthless. It was it was the worst. All right, let's move on to this next one here. We're going over to the Big Twelve. We got the Iowa State. Open practice, really, that more than anything else. I would say doing something interesting this year where they have, like, three of these. So they go to a high school field, invite everybody to come on in. They do, like, an open practice, and they run some scrimmage. Um, but they invite, like, um, they're doing it to promote some of the local high schools, have people come around, just kind of watch from the stands and everything. So this is their first of three, I think, that they're doing this year. Um, a couple of interesting takeaways here for me. Um, Decker, or Decker's, Hunter Decker's is the clear QB1. Um, I don't think a lot of people are too terribly excited about him. There's a couple. Like, I know Felix Sharp is really, really high on Decker's. And I know some people who actually believe that Decker's was the better QB last year between him and Brock Purdy. But with the year Brock Purdy was having, let's not be real, that's not too much of a compliment. Um, but the interesting thing to me that... Two more interesting things. One, Xavier Hutchinson actually, because of this, has moved up because they talked about in in the interviews here how Hutchinson is Decker's favorite target. So I'm very interested to see that if Hutchinson can become a PPR kind of guy where maybe they're not moving the ball too far down the field with him, but if he's getting upwards of like 10, 11 targets per game, yeah, sign me up. I'll I'll take that. Um, I'll take that every single time. And then the running back situation is where my heart and soul is with this. If you listen to the running back summit a couple weeks ago, I had to defend my ranking of Gyro Brock as my RB17. I moved him down to RB20, but I'm sitting here thinking, like, this is the Iowa State running back. Even if Brock isn't as good as Montgomery or isn't as good as Hall, he's still going to be a very, very good asset. People got him ranked down in, like, the 50s. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's going to be good. Um... But there was a name that popped up here that I think people need to keep an eye on here. Because a lot of people are like, oh, Brock's not good. He's the kind of guy that, that'll lose the job uh, for Iowa State like halfway through the season. And a lot of times they cite Dion Silas. And I'm like, no, Silas isn't the kind of guy that's going to take the job from Brock here. He's much smaller than Brock is. He's much smaller than Hall. He's much smaller than um, Montgomery was. He's not the kind of guy that's going to take over as the bell cow role. The person I am keeping an eye on now is Cartavius Norton. He's a redshirt freshman this year, and he got plenty of run in this game. And he actually showed out, or in this scrimmage, and he showed out pretty well here. So he's available in almost every league that I've checked, and I'm in some pretty deep leagues. Um, So if you're in like a dynasty and everything, even if Brock's not available, go see if you can pick up Cartavius Norton, because I think he's going to be a guy that we'll watch over the next couple of years. Once Brock leaves, he probably is that next guy up. Chris, what are your thoughts overall on this game? Or scrimmage, whatever we want to do. 
Uh, it is interesting. They do that is pretty cool. I think their spring game is actually at another high school year, so they just keep they just keep it going, which is awesome. Uh, I mean, Iowa State, you just care about running back for the most part, right? So Brock, if he holds on to the job, which there's no reason really why he wouldn't, that's a great that's a great player to have. It's interesting. It feels like he's going lower than he should. Um, and maybe that's just because Brock hasn't been like that impressive since he is uh, in his like spelling time of Brees uh, the last couple of years. Hutchinson is going to be intriguing because he did have some like he felt like a really high floor consistent guy. He just lacked upside. And I think part of that is because Brees was so good. So, I mean, you can't get much worse than than uh, Brock Purdy last year. So he, I think uh, Hutchinson would be an interesting later not late, late, but like mid to later round ad. Uh, they don't have a lot of like targets. They're losing um, all their tight ends, right? Are all yeah. gone. So, and they love throwing a tight end. So maybe there's a, there's a guy there that could be interesting, but you know, I think what I've learned from all these guys over the last couple of years of, of playing dynasty is, you know, play for the, the, you pick for the offensive scheme, right? Yeah. Brock is a, I think he was like a four star. He was rated really, really well. He was rated higher than Brees Hall was. Yeah. So like, why would you not want that? And then kind of like you were mentioning that other, the red shirt freshman, you know, maybe he doesn't pan out, but if he does like any starts, that's going to be an offense you want, right? Like you would be pretty happy with having Brock a year or two ago and him popping up now as the starter. And now you get him in Iowa state's rushing attack. So probably two or three guys max on this team that are worth something. But um, I mean, Brock could be huge for sure. I pretty much can't agree more. Um, the other name that um, people kind of threw out there um, as the name to watch is uh, Greg Gaines. He's another wide receiver there again, maybe not this year, but after Hutchison goes off to the draft this year, maybe he's the guy to watch after that. We will see. Let's move on to the next one. We got Syracuse. We're going up to New York. we got the orange and the blue. In the orange and blue game. So, <laughs> Chris, I believe it is your turn to start on this. What were your overall thoughts on this game? Ooh, I think a lot of their guys sat, right? Like Sean Tucker didn't play. Tucker and Schrader, Schrader were both out. Um, the guy that replaced Schrader, this Justin Lamson, is a three-star. The same similar, you know, the similar style of offense as Schrader. The problem is, I mean, he looked really good, apparently, right? Rushing, yeah. which is all we care about, right? Like, think about Schrader. He's pretty bad at passing like he's pretty bad at passing completely but he had i think it was 14 rushing touchdowns last year so if lamson comes in in a couple years and does that that's awesome the problem is uh waiting that long for a guy to you know schrader's not going pro so like you're picking lamson for three years from now just not ideal so not a lot to talk about i don't think honestly give me um schrader and give me sean tucker but they didn't play I'm excited to see what they end up doing for the season and, and can't wait for more Sean Tucker tweets, but that's an offense. Generally speaking, I am just completely avoiding besides those two. See, here's my deal. I am, I'm very, I am very happy with what I saw in this game because I am starting to see the Robert and Brocco Mendenhall offense that was at Virginia starting to come to life here at Syracuse. I don't know if Schrader is going to have the passing ability to do what Brennan Armstrong did, but he has better rushing capabilities than Armstrong, I think, ever did. So he'll probably make up for it on the ground a little bit. But just overall, Syracuse just looks better in the passing game, even with their even with their second string guys. And so I think that's going to benefit Schrader there. Um, and so, like, yeah, obviously, Schrader and Tucker, they're the guys to watch out for in this offense. They're going to probably benefit the most. I think Schrader's ceiling is a little bit higher now that I can see that this offense is starting to improve in the passing game. But it's now getting me to believe in guys like Anthony Queeley and Damian Alford, who are the two starting wide receivers here. Alford caught a long bomb in this spring game. But those two guys right there, I'm starting to take a little bit of an interest in them. Maybe we see a season kind of like how Dontavian Wicks had the year before or a season like we were expecting Lavelle Davis to have. So I think those are kind of the other names I'm a little interested in here. But overall, yeah, without Tucker and Schrader both out there on the field, it's a little it's a little hard to take too much away from this. I will say they, in a lot of the articles they're talking about here, there is a open media, I think it was like a scrimmage like a couple of days before. 
And they did mention how Tucker wasn't getting a lot of carries around the goal line. He was getting a lot of targets around the goal line. So I think that. So I'm I'm thinking that's that's going to be something I'm kind of filing away in the back of my mind. Where like yeah, um, Ane much more pass heavy offense than we are kind of used to with Syracuse. Uh, they don't usually use the running back too much, but if they're going to use Tucker in the passing game, it's not going to matter that much. Well, I I think co- coaches are smart enough to know that like if their best offensive player is Sean Tucker and you're typically a passing guy, you make it work for Sean Tucker, oh, right? I like I think you'd be crazy not to utilize him. And I think Anae going there, right? He's got to have that in the back of his mind. He's not going to a place to just not use their best player, True. right? So. It'll be interesting if they can get him more involved in the passing game, like you said. He's got crazy upside because he he's getting a lot of touches, and if the offense can improve, it's only going to get better. Than you literally, literally cannot get. It's not going to be worse than last year, and he was great last year. So exactly, it'll be interesting to see. All right, so those are our Power Five. We're going to move over to the G Five now. We got two G Five spring games. We're going to talk about pretty quickly here. I'd say uh, the first one up here is uh, San Jose State. A lot of you probably don't even or forget half the time that San Jose State is a team in the FBS, which you shouldn't because they have one of the best logos in all of college football. Um, but even still, last year you had guys like Nick Starkle. You had you really didn't have any of the receivers stand up. Derek Deese was the tight end that a lot of people liked last year. Uh, and then Tyler Nevins. Not a ton to be super excited about last year, though. The thing is... I am really, really liking what I'm seeing out of San Jose State this year with the fact that they brought in Shavon Cordero away from Hawaii, giving him a new home here. And they also brought in two receivers that I think a lot of us are really interested in, in Elijah Cooks and Justin Lockhart, both out of Nevada. I am very interested to see what this offense kind of looks like. And in this spring game, Shavon Cordero had a great day. Two passing touchdowns, both to Lockhart. Lockhart's now made it up his way up into my rankings. That that really is going to be a connection in that offense. And then Shavon Cordero also had a rushing touchdown. So to me, it looks like I'm not gonna say wheels up for Shavon Cordero, but like he's quickly becoming one of the better values in my opinion in terms of uh, where he is going. Because if I'm looking at ADP right now, he's off the board as QB 42, a guy with that kind of rushing upside with the weapons to work with in that offense. I'll take it in the Mountain West where there's not a ton of defense being played. Yeah, and you get a lot of like bad teams, right? Like you play like the New Mexicos and stuff where exactly. like you're just going to win like 42 to 10 types if your offense is good. They brought in a bunch of new guys, right? Cordero is the big, the big guy there. I think that's the big takeaway is that like he's, is he gelling a little bit with the guy, the different receivers, the options? It seems like a yes. Are they willing to use him on the ground? Seems like yes. There's really no reason not to be really interested in him. I think he disappointed at times uh, over the last couple of years in the offense. And they, it's Hawaii. They do a lot of weird stuff yeah. to begin with. But, I mean, that's an exciting name. And, and I think one that I'll, will end up, if you play DFS, you'll have a ton of them in, like, the late night slate stuff oh, yeah. because those totals are going to be higher. And, and, you know, it's not going to be a ton of options to begin with. But with the with some new receivers or some real receivers, I should say, probably, That'll be a really good offense and, and a good player or a good option with Cordero. I'll also throw this out there. And again, like Tyler Nevins has been one of my favorite high floor guys over the past two years, but he's off. He's gone. He's out of eligibility. And none of these articles that talked about this game mention running back whatsoever. There doesn't seem to be a clear guy who has stepped up for this offense. And so to me, that just tells me even more. They're going to rely on Cordero when they get around that goal line, he's probably going to be the kind of guy that gets you eight, nine, ten touchdowns throughout the year just on the ground. So I really like the high floor capabilities of Cordero kind of moving forward here. Yeah, lack of uh, lack of running back news is great. <laughs> great for the passing attack. Oh, yeah. All righty, let's go ahead and move on to the second group of five team here. We got Georgia State. Um, again, to me, not too much to glean out of this for what it sounds like outside of the fact that they're kind of stacked at running back for a group of five team. Tucker Gregg and Jameis Williams uh, both sat out for this game, but Marcus Carroll was kind of the standout player 
for the actual game. I believe he earned offensive player of the game for them. But also KZ Adams, another young running back they have there. I don't think any of these guys this year are going to be guys that you're going to want in CFF leagues. But guys like Marcus Carroll or KZ Adams, because they're such young guys, and after guys like Tucker Gregg and Jameis Williams get out of there, wouldn't be surprised they get a bigger load. And maybe they do solidify that running back there. I think it's running back by committee this year, but those are two names I say keep an eye out for going forward. Yeah, that was, I was, you literally took a right out of my mouth. I think uh, they're going to be a running back by committee, but they run it and they control the ball. That's like their, their goal, their game, right? Yeah. So that's a situation where both those, Greg and Williams, are getting good to solid touches. That's, it feels like that's just only going to continue. And Casey Adams was the name I wrote down. I think Carol yeah. obviously too had a, a great game. But they there were quotes that were talking about like not even surprised at all by his production. You know, I think some defensive lineman was hyping him up, and then there was a, a mention of he of him having like 285 yards from scrimmage in yeah. a game, like a practice game or scrimmage uh, days or a week ago or something like that. Like sort of way, you never know, right? I think yeah. that's Casey Adams is a small guy, so. The, the likelihood of him coming in his first year in the G5 program and like bulking up enough to be relevant is probably pretty low. Um, but Greg and Williams are older guys, and could, you'll see one of these other ones slip in next year for sure. They strike me as like names to file away, and if after this season you see them enter the transfer portal, you start going like, hmm, see if uh. <laughs> See if, see if they can uh, get to a much better situation that isn't going to split the carries away from them. Because again, from what it sounds like, if Casey Adams was like the main guy, he is capable of putting up a 200-plus yard game at any given point. So those were the spring games from these last couple of weeks. Again, trying to cover those as quickly as we could, kind of take, giving you the main takeaways. Uh, but y'all, this this next week is like the first of the like massive slate of spring games we got going on. I'm going to kind of run through the, like, just a full slate, but then Chris and I are going to each give you three that we're kind of looking forward to the most, kind of rapid fire style. Uh, tonight, or I say tonight, if you're listening to this on Monday, Louisville had their spring came yesterday at four o'clock. I actually think it's going on right now as we're recording this. Um, and then on Friday, you have another Iowa State um, open scrimmage. Houston has theirs. SMU has theirs. UTEP has theirs. Um, on Saturday, you got Liberty, Boston College, uh, Louisiana, uh, North Texas, Purdue, Toledo, East Carolina, Texas State, Tulsa, Cincinnati, Clemson, Kentucky, NC State, Ohio, Pitt, Arizona, Auburn, um, Kansas, Nebraska, Old Dominion, Texas A&M, UAB, uh, North Carolina, and Temple, Stanford, uh, Florida State, Boise State, FIU, Florida Atlantic, USF, ULA Monroe, Arizona State, all have spring games this week. <laughs> Big slate. Brian not going to be able to cover every single one of those, but Chris we will start with you, sir, and yeah. you. We're gonna go rapid fire style, so let's try like less sure. than less than two three minutes each. Which ones are you most excited about for this week? So the three I, I was looking at were SMU, North Texas, and uh, Kentucky. I'm gonna get a little weird compared to yours for sure, but SMU, right? We're, we're looking at an offense that's notorious for scoring points. So I think everybody agrees with she rice is the receiver one, but who's going to be that receiver two? They brought in a bunch of guys. There's a lot of interesting options. Um, and I think that offense has shown that a, a two receivers can be successful. Now the second yeah. one is not going to be your top notch high end type guy, but uh, they definitely have some really productive games. I'm looking at really hard at the running, running back one situation because Bentley left. Siggers was great. And he's returning. I believe I think yes. I read that correctly. Yes. Uh, TJ McDaniel. Remember he had like a flash in the pan moment a couple of years ago. Then he was hurt and kind of whatever happened. And then this Brandon Epton is like the third option. So you have Siggers as an old guy and then a bunch of kind of unknowns. So I'm really interested to see if we get any clarity there. If somebody transfers in, like you kind of mentioned already, that's a possibility for running back. Um, so yeah, 
Do you want me to keep rolling through the rest of yeah, them? Yeah, just you go, wanna... right, go, go ahead and roll. Okay, yeah, okay, North Texas. This one, I feel like there's just a ton of unknowns, right? Receivers and running backs, absolutely no idea. And right? quarterback, really. And quarterback, really. So people may forget that there were some crazy good seasons over the years from receivers and running backs. Rico Bussey and Jalen Darden for like three or four years straight had – 10 plus touchdowns. I think Darden had 19 two years ago. And then if you look at running back group, uh, DeAndre Torrey last year and then Jeff Wilson years ago, I mean, you're looking at a, a running back position that put up a ton of fancy points. So there are a lot of options, a lot of unknowns. Oscar Attaway was like the big name last year before he got hurt. He did like, it's kind of ironic. He did like the Alton McCaskill where he got hurt before this, the, like really in the spring or maybe I think that was in the August. I think it was in uh, fall. Time frame, yeah. And then finally, Kentucky. Kentucky, it seems to be a running back type situation. You want Chris Rodriguez. But Will, is it Levis, Levi's, whatever it Levis. is, he's improving and he's better than he has been over the years. So I'm curious to see what Tavion Robinson does for them or if there is a receiver one because Ron- Wandale Robinson was great last year. And before that, they've had some flash-in-the-pan success at receiver. The thing is, Robinson, he went to Virginia Tech, transferred there, and so I have a background. He did not put up a ton of points, like a yardage, fancy points, anything like that. But he returns punts, and he's very agile and dynamic. So I'm curious, do they use him in a similar Wandale-type role and just feed him a ton? Because he's a good receiver that just hasn't done anything. So really curious to see if he kind of takes over that receiver one situation and then uh, i'll be following that one as the fall progresses because i think he could be a a very low end pick that could could turn out very well so i heard a report out of the kentucky spring camp that almost seems like it's almost an oxymoron in a way because they said the report is they're using tavian in a similar way to wandale but that javon baker is probably going to be the wide receiver one yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah, that Wandale was receiver one. You know, yeah, like that, 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 I I think they're they're trying to say that like Tavion will have the like they'll be moving him around kind of like they did Wandale and everything, but that Baker is probably going to see the most targets, if that makes sense. Yeah. We'll see. I mean that all we'll seems to, seems to be better, right? Oh yeah. If he just gets in the right situation. You never know. I think uh, that's not a team that can have two receivers be productive, but if he does turn out to be that receiver one, I think that'll be really exciting. All right, we'll go. We'll go with mine here, and I'm going to start off with NC State. And a lot of people are going to be like, "What?" And I'm like, "Guys, it's time to stop. It's time to stop doubting Devin Leary, guy who finished as the QB twenty last year in CFF fantasy." This is a guy that finished as a top 24 receiver, one or two, top 24 QB, one, two, three, four, five times last year, which if you don't keep track of like weekly finishes, that's very, very impressive for a CFF QB to keep that level of consistency that high. He is being drafted currently as the QB 40. I encourage every single one of you to watch the NC State spring game this weekend. You will see why Devin Leary, or why you should not be doubting Devin Leary. He has a ton of, or a ton of that team is returning. He doesn't have his running backs that he's had over the past couple of years. They're both off to the draft. He's going to have to throw a little bit more. Uh, I do like uh, James Houston, I believe is his name, the running back there. I Yes. Um, Houston there, I like I like him quite a bit. But I think Devin Leary is going to see an even bigger role. He's the kind of guy that I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about him being, I'm not going to say a top draft guy next year because, again, you got Young, you got Stroud there. But, like, if you're looking at, like, that QB3, QB4 in the draft next year, wouldn't be shocked if Leary is that guy. He's improved massively. I encourage you all to watch NC State this weekend. We're going to see how he's doing. We'll see which receivers he's throwing to. Thayer Thomas is a guy that I'm kind of a little bit interested in if they are going to improve the passing game there. Absolutely keep an eye out for him. And then I already mentioned Houston. Let's see how he's doing as the RB1 there now that uh, Bam Knight and I forget the other running back's name off the top of my head. Uh, off- Ricky Person. Ricky Person, yes. 
uh, both now that person and Knight are off to the NFL. All right, let's go. My next one, Cincinnati. I've been keeping an eye on this QB battle all year long. I want to see it in person. Ben Bryant, Evan Prater, who's going to be the guy? I am, a li- I am a little concerned that it isn't even taking this long for Prater to put this job away uh, because I think, again, I, I believe he's the highest QB prospect that Cincinnati has ever recruited. And so the fact that he can't put Ben Bryant away right now is very, very concerning to me. Uh, but he's got the dual threat ability probably out of those two, and I think he brings more upside to the offense. I'd like to see what's going on there. I want to see the running backs. Good Lord, I want to see the running backs because there's like no information out there on what they're doing at running back. Is it running back by committee? Are we going to see Ryan Montgomery take over as number one? Or are we going to wait until after the spring to bring in a transfer? We'll see. And then finally, let's go Arizona. I've been very impressed with what Jeff Fisher's been doing. Um, I was not super impressed with his hiring at first. I was like, oh, the wide receivers coach from, like, I think it was the Texans or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Um, but I'm like, oh, you know, that's probably all Arizona can get. But then he starts bringing in, like, all this offensive talent. You're talking about guys like Jacob Cowling. You were talking about um, Tatoria McClellan, uh, four-star wide receiver this year. Brought, like, flipped him from Oregon, now bring him down to Arizona. Um, you, you got Jaden Delora coming down from Washington State. Like, that's another pretty interesting name there that he's brought in. And then he's got um, a couple of uh, freshmen coming in that I'm very interested in. Again, I already mentioned T-Mac, but uh, Rayshon Luke. A kind of wide receiver, running back, hybrid kind of guy. Um, I'm very, very interested to see if he's getting any early run. Um, Jonah Coleman, I'll give once again, I'll give Nate credit here. He was talking about him in the Slack the other day. I looked him up a little bit. I'm impressed too. Um, freshman running back there, if he gets an early run there and they get a, that offense humming, could be a very, very interesting, sneaky dynasty play there over at Arizona. I know a lot of people are thinking like, oh, Arizona, they're not going to score a ton. Again, if they get that offense moving over there, it's still going to be a pretty fun team to watch this year. So that's those are the three that I'm kind of interested the most in. Uh, all very interesting ones. I think the NC State one is like Devin Leary is, was shocking. Looking at their offense and what they did last year, you, I would have just been like, yeah, Leary was pretty good, and they were just mostly like those the two-headed running back monster, right? And then he was like 35 touchdowns to five interceptions, right? That's yep. insane. So I think that's going to be a really interesting situation because they didn't really – hammer one guy so do they do that right Thayer yeah. thomas had a really good stat line considering a bunch of games he just did nothing yep um i think one thing that plays in leary's favor just to wrap it all up here is houston seems to be a pretty good receiver and when he was a freshman had a really good season with like 140 carries and running for seven and a half yards per carry so i think that tends to be a little bit better for larry too is that his running back can catch it out of the backfield he's not like a, a bulldozer type that can't catch it so that nc state offense can be really good in a pretty bad conference acc and i'm an acc guy so yeah definitely like acc is currently what i think we used to all consider the big 12 where just like defense is optional at this point there's going to be a shootout every single week yeah, the UNC Wake games, all, you know, whoever's playing those two teams, it could be just fireworks everywhere. So that exactly. NC State would be a fun one to see versus those guys. Absolutely. All righty, that pretty much brings us to the end of our show here. Again, let me just double-check our show sheet. Yep, pretty much that brings us to the end of our show. Chris, I really thank you for coming on today. It's been an absolute blast. I'm sure everybody who's listening uh, really appreciates the insight that you have brought here again, just let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find the burning the red shirt podcast, all that good jazz. Yeah. Thanks man. It's been a good time. So burning the red shirt, the Twitter handle is uh, at BTR underscore pod. Man, I need to practice that one. I'll say that with more confidence. And then my (laughs) Twitter handle is realist Chris K. So it's R E A L E S T Chris K Y. So uh, definitely follow the podcast one. That's going to give you more, more better in t- uh, takes than my personal account that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and again burning the red shirt podcast y'all if y'all haven't checked it out already absolutely go and take a listen to it it's a very it's a very different type of college fantasy show where again it's chris it's andrew katz it's uh zachary Tao from uh, cfb dynasty they're just there and they're just kind of chilling they're just talking about kind of whatever comes to mind and everything um it's less structured than this show, but that's not a bad thing. Again, it's very, right. very conversational, very much like it just feels like you're just 
a fly in the wall of a bunch of dudes just kicking back and discussing college fantasy. So I really like the vibe of their show over there. You guys absolutely should check it out. Um, and I, you guys are available on all the different platforms, right? Like Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We are, that. yeah. I don't handle any of that. Thank God we have Zach, right? But yeah, uh, he handles that stuff. But yeah, it's a, it's a laid back feel, kind of just a couple guys chilling on the patio, just talking football. But um, it's a nice counter to something like Chasing Natty that has a lot of good analytics, a lot of good breakdowns and stuff like that. So it's kind of like the yin and yang of uh, CFB podcasts. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely, like I said, I, I feel like I'm a broken record here, but again, I absolutely re- recommend it, guys. I like it um, whenever I'm able, whenever I'm able to, to go onto their live streams, just kind of chill in the chat and just help drive the conversation sometimes yeah. because they're just like, well, what do we talk about now? And I'm just like, oh, this, <laughs> this, hit this us is my something. moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate it. We're big fans of this show as well. So love what you guys are doing at C2C, Nate and all the the, the more specific C2C guys are doing awesome. It's really cool to see where things have come in the last couple of years. There wasn't this type of content. Um, you know, you had La, who's who's been doing stuff since the 50s, but everybody else, you know, just getting on and, and getting more content out there, it's, it's a can't-lose situation for everybody. Well, as Felix Sharp says all the time, it is uh, the flood is coming when it comes to college fantasy, so you better get on the boat now or else you're going to drown. So... All righty. Again, appreciate everybody tuning in. I will see you guys next time. Y'all have a blessed day.